XY Group invites all AEC industry leaders to the 2024 AEC Small Business and Entrepreneurship Forum, the premier event for small firms in the AEC sector. Experience innovative strategies and insights on May 21st, crafted by Zweig Group's industry experts. Engage in keynotes and interactive sessions focused on recruitment, retention, and business growth. Join Zweig Group for this unique networking opportunity and take your business to new heights. Secure your spot today and be part of the AEC industry's future. Visit ZweigGroup.com for more information. The Zweig Group team looks forward to welcoming you. Welcome to the Zweig Letter Podcast, putting architectural, engineering, planning, and environmental consulting advice and guidance in your ear. Zweig Group's team of experts have spent more than three decades elevating the industry by helping AEP and environmental consulting firms thrive. And these podcasts deliver invaluable management, industry, client, marketing, and HR advice directly to you, free of charge. The Zweig Letter Podcasts, elevating the design industry one episode at a time. Hey, folks, and welcome back to another episode of the Zweig Letter Podcast. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and I am here today with Tracy Eves, who is who basically runs our valuation advisory service at Zwy Group. Tracy, uh, I've known her for many years, but um, she's got uh, so many degrees behind her name and, and so much experience in this industry, especially as it pertains to valuation and, and, and ownership transition. And uh, I know I've, I, a lot of times I talk with her and the stuff that she shares with me goes over my head, but I know a lot of you listening to the podcast right now have real issues with regard to how you're going to value your company, given this year that we're having with the COVID-19 pandemic and so many other issues that are kind of up in the air with the way that the world is in general. And so if you're listening to this podcast later on down the road, we were discussing this issue in 2020. And I think it's just important for us to, to understand where we stand currently. And that's why I asked Tracy to come on the episode today and and to kind of just 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 grace our audience with her knowledge. And she has a vast resource of knowledge. So without further ado, Tracy Eves, how are you doing? It's it's good to see you, first of all. And secondly, how are you doing? It's great to see you, Randy. Um, everybody's well in my world, thank goodness. Uh, yeah. I hope and I hope the same for you and, yep. and everyone that's listening. Absolutely, absolutely. So, so Tracy, why don't you um, just give a quick a quick snippet and and just to, for those that may not know who you are, just a little snippet of what you do at Zweig Group, um, especially as it pertains to valuation and and I know a little bit in the OT side of things, but specifically, I know valuation is your wheelhouse. So, why don't you just kind of walk through for our audience exactly what you do? Sure. Well, I, I'm a certified uh, business appraiser. Um, I have uh, been in the valuation world um, for 20 years, valuing the stock of privately held companies. And um, I do a significant amount of valuation work for um, Zweig clients and uh, valuing shares 
and it could be for um, different purposes. Uh, I do a lot of work for internal share transactions. I do work for um, just kind of general overall corporate planning. Um, every now and then I will do work for um, gifting, uh, gifting of shares. So we've got some estate planning. Um, I have done some estate settlement work, um, have participated in a couple of litigation cases as well. So various purposes, but I would say that um, overall majority of the work that I do is for internal share transaction purposes. And then beyond that, um, as you mentioned, the OT, the ownership transition uh, planning, um, I work with Will Swearingen, a colleague uh, who runs um, that particular um, consulting service for our firm. And uh, I work with him on those types of engagements from time to time. And um, I also um, work with the M&A team um, on certain client projects when uh, they need to pull me in. Yeah. Well, I guess, and, and you know, that's been kind of the age old, I mean, you've been involved in the design industry for a number of years and you've seen a lot, but I, I, in, in my experience, I've always, one of the big issues that we've run into, and it's sometimes it's a sad conversation when you are dealing with an aged, uh, aging or aged firm owner who has never really taken the time to think about their exit strategy and mm -hmm. how they're going to make that transition and what that's going to look like and what their company's going to be valued at. And, and do you have even something that's, that somebody wants to buy? And sure. I, I mean, I mean, those are, I know you sometimes have some really tough conversations with people once you've had a chance to kind of take in all the data points and information and give somebody an assessment of your findings. And, and that can be really tough. It, it can be. And, you know, part of what uh, we like to talk with owners about is, you know, thinking about that retirement window, um, you know, because in a lot of cases, uh, the investment that people have in their firms may be one of their largest assets that they have going into retirement. Yeah. And um, we just really encourage people to not wait too long um, to really start planning what that exit's going to look like. Um, you know, Will, Will and I have had the conversation for a lot of years, and, and we actually talk about it in uh, various presentations to Zwei clients, is that, you know, if you, if you can get to a situation where you've got a window of 10 years or even a little bit longer than that to work to get to where you want to be at that retirement window and at your exit, the better. Um, unfortunately, we get phone calls, you know, from, like you said, aging firm owners uh, that, that, you know, have really kind of hit the wall, so to speak. Yeah. And they're saying, hey, I want out in two years. I want out in three years. And in a lot of cases, um, to go the internal transition route is it may not be feasible to do that um, simply because of the resources of the the uh, shareholders coming into that process and you know what what that situation looks like. So then we've got to kind of discuss what are some of the other options for that exit strategy as well. But um, have dealt with a lot of different issues, um, no doubt. But you know, from a planning perspective and thinking about an exit. Um, you know, we just encourage firm owners to d decide, 
you know, how, what does that time frame look like? And don't be too scared that you're doing it too early because right. you, you know, you just, you can't hardly be early too early in this process to really have a good plan in place. So that plan can be executed. And, you know, the other issue to, to think about as well is, you know, just like we are today, um, Sometimes events happen in the course of a business or in the course of an economic downturn or this COVID crisis that we're dealing with. We may need to hit the pause button on that transition as well. And so if you have the time, uh, if you've given enough time to your process, you've got the time to hit the pause button uh, if you need to in that process without it really truly harming uh, your ent- your entire plan um, as you work through it. So a lot of reasons um, that we really do encourage a longer a longer look uh, rather than that short term look to 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 get to um, the fishing cabin or the golf course. One of, the right. one of those, <laughs> yes. each of those sounds good right now. Um, well, so, and, and, and I know we, we were talking about this before we started the recording. Um, it's, 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 I want people to understand evaluation is important because it gives you a, a, a time snapshot of where your company is at that time. It doesn't necessarily say where it's going to be down the line. Um, it certainly can give a historical perspective. I think it's important to realize though, that this is not the kind of thing where somebody comes to you and you put a evaluation together and give it to them and then they just put it up on the shelf and then they refer back to it five years from now. I mean, you are working with firms on an annual basis to keep track of this information and to make sure that that uh, metrics are being met and that, that the company is moving in the direction that mm-hmm. you've observed it to be moving in and that things are still true north. Is that correct? Absolutely. Um, You know, evaluation that was done five years ago is likely not relevant today. Um, And, and, uh, you know, and because we are valuing as of a valuation date, as you said, it's that it's that point in time. It's just like when um, a balance sheet on a company gets run. It's as of a certain date in time. So when you have evaluation done, um, and, you know, I, I do get the question, you know, is the valuation that we had done two years ago still relevant or is this going to be relevant for a couple of years? And, you know, the 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 answer is it really kind of depends. And a lot of it is in how much change has the firm encountered in a particular year? Um, you know, was there change with an acquisition? Um, was there a, a major change with management that that might um, need to be reassessed from a risk level perspective? Did the firm take on a major client that is um, going to have a real impact on the firm? Did the firm go through maybe even a cost restructuring that what that allowed them to increase profitability that wasn't necessarily there when the valuation was performed. So, so many moving pieces and parts to all of this that um, you can't, you can't put that valuation on the shelf and expect that it would, it's going to be good, you know, for a long period of time, because hopefully the business is evolving enough that these firm owners are continuing to create value in those firms on an annual basis. Okay. All right. Well, that's perfect. Um, Well, why don't we, Obviously, let's talk about the elephant in the room right now that everybody's dealing with, because I know that I can only imagine what the calls have been like that you've been receiving over the last maybe six weeks. Mm -hmm. Uh, When this thing really got serious and most of us around this country have had to hunker down and I don't know wherever you live and you're listening to this, you may you may be at home right now. But regardless, um, what is your assessment 
Um, it, it, uh, just give me an idea of the outlook for the industry today, given the impacts of COVID-19. Well, you know, I will say that um, I feel fortunate that uh, I have a lot of clients that I do annual valuation work with. And so I have had an opportunity to talk with clients literally coast to coast. And um, I have been having a lot of conversations over, you know, the last three or four weeks um, about how clients are feeling about what's happening. And certainly some of that has evolved in the last couple of weeks as we continue to get deeper into this. And, you know, with the extensions of the stay at home mandates. um, And then of course we are now dealing with how is all this phase in uh, reopening, you know, going to work, but, you know, I would say, Randy, overall, overall, um, there is still a significant amount of optimism and positivity in the industry in talking with firm owners. Um, I have had a couple of stories, uh, you know, that clients are are really dealing with some tough issues. But I would say that it's probably more market sector driven than it is anything. And so, you know, depending upon the market sectors in which uh, each one of our client firms um, deals with and how diversified are they in various market sectors to kind of balance some of that out. Um, Some are doing better than others. Um, But overall, you know, talking to firm owners, there's still positivity out there. Um, I would say that a kind of a running theme in this last week has been, okay, we got our PPP money. We, we know, you know, that we're going to have to deal with that as well, but kind of the overarching theme has been, I'm not, I'm not really um, as concerned about today as I am about this summer. And, and really it's around um, the, you know, the, what's the squeeze on cash going to look like? Um, Because cash flow has to continue to come in because, you did, you know, you just, you're going to need that to continue to operate the firm, make payroll, do all of those things that are going to be necessary in the long term. And so I have had a lot of my clients indicating that um, they have instituted programs where they might look at accounts receivable every now and then in the past. And it was kind of just a given that that money is going to roll in the door. Um, but I have had clients telling me now that because they're a little concerned about the cash flow squeeze and slowing of accounts receivable collections going into the summer months this year, that they're really watching accounts receivable collections very closely and monitoring that almost on a daily basis so that if there are those brush fires, maybe that they can be proactive in putting out, they're going to try to do that now and and not let something become a, a, a bigger issue that can't be resolved in six, eight weeks from now. Yeah. I actually see that as a good problem because, you know, when, when, when we, whenever I've gone into firms on behalf of Zweig and talked with people, especially on the project management side, especially when it comes to accounting and making sure you're getting your invoices out there and, and, you know, the average days on the um, average time that it takes for you to um, collect your invoices Mm -hmm. that uh, I think firms have an opportunity to really improve in this area. And certainly we can use COVID-19 as a scapegoat for it, but I would, I actually would hope that those practices would extend beyond this pandemic and that it would be more 
uh, of an attitude that firms would have about collecting their money and keeping an eye on the ball when it comes to that and not just making assumptions that, oh, well, that will get paid or this will get paid because that's it's always a cash flow issue, isn't it? It is. And, you know, accounts receivable collection. Well, I will just say cash flow, you know, cash is king. Right. Um, and and a lot of the valuation work that I do is based on cash flow, right. um, you know, and and of course, accounts receivable is one of those um, one of those factors that's on the balance sheet that I do tend to pay a lot of attention to um, in looking at the trend line. So when I'm doing the financial analysis piece of my valuation work, um, I'm looking at the trend line. Is is accounts receivable? Are the days to collection getting longer? Are they about the same? Um, are they trending down? Because that gives me um, a lot of insight as to whether or not that particular piece of the puzzle is really um, getting the attention that it, it truly should have. Um, and, you know, when you see climbing accounts, receivable collection days, you got to start asking questions. Why is that? And, and is it is it internal to the firm and the management team of the firm? Or is there circumstances that it's really more of a client driven problem that, you know, that they need to solve with, um, with clients and it's not necessarily the internal team. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of really good reasons why um, being super diligent about accounts receivable collection is, is, has always been vital and it's going to be even more so going forward. Yeah. So what are, what are, what are one or two of the, the three, what question are you hearing over and over again from clients right now that that you didn't you weren't hearing before? But clients they all seem to be asking the same specific question about their valuation, about their company's financial health. What 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 is that one or two questions? Because I know you have another question I'm going to ask you about in a minute, but I'm just curious to see what uh, what have, what have you been hearing um, from firm owners? Well, I would say that there is some. Um, question around selling of shares as of the end of last year. So Mm -hmm. firms that are in the middle of internal ownership transition and they're selling shares either to um, some existing minority interest shareholders that were planning on buying more shares or they were selling to uh, new shareholders coming in that, um, you know, that they had already had some of those discussions with. And what uh, some of the conversation that I've had is, you know, the shareholders today uh, that were that were buying in are questioning whether or not um, the value as of December 31, 2019, is that, you know, is that relevant given um, what we know today? Right. So there is still some of that concern that is um, happening out there in the industry. Um, but I would say that, you know, from a valuation perspective, um, a firm really needs to assess, uh, you know, what is the impact today? So, you know, when we're valuing a company, Randy, um, we value as of a certain date in time. So most of my clients are always year-end valuation dates for the most part. So, you know, a lot of the work I'm doing right now is a valuation date as of December 31, 2019. And um, I have had the conversation um, with a lot of these clients around um, the relevancy of that valuation date and explaining to them that as an appraiser, um, our standards require us to consider 
facts and circumstances that were known or knowable as of that valuation date. Mm -hmm. And the valuation community has, um, you know, done some extensive looking at the timeline of all of this and, and, you know, really um, determining did we, would we have had a known or knowable COVID situation as of that date in time? And the answer is no. I mean, just looking at the timeline, there's no way that we could have anticipated that the COVID impact as of the end of last year. So if, if a company needs to take into account the impact of COVID um, on their firm, um, it, the valuation date would need to be moved forward. So you probably need to be looking at a more um, uh, recent valuation date, maybe a, a March 31, 2020 valuation date, because by then we were well aware um, and, you know, that we were already into some of the impact of it by that point in time. So a lot of it is going to really depend upon whether a firm um, feels like they absolutely need to take that into account or if they feel like their firm has not been so impacted that, um, you know, that they can't, that the December 31, 2019 valuation date would still be relevant. So that's part of the conversation, um, you know, that's going on right now. I will just say in general, um, all of my valuation clients are still December 31, 2019 valuation dates. Yeah. So, and, and, and I guess, you know, the, the reality is, is that, yes, a lot of people are going to look at this year and say, man, okay, this, this year is an anomaly. Last year was 2019 was strong. 2020 may not, so, may, not, may not be so strong. Like you said, I don't even think it by March 31st, we had a true indication of how the economic mm-hmm. outcome and effects of this coronavirus are affecting the clients that you serve. I actually think it, it's maybe at the end of Q3, we'll have even a good idea, but I think we'll have to cycle through this whole year. And I know that's a very uncomfortable statement for a lot of firm owners, mm-hmm. but you're going to have to, you're going to have to see at least, you know, nine to, you know, six to nine months worth of time and activity to be able to understand what the, the coronavirus pandemic, how it, it has impacted the bottom line of your organization. Without a doubt. Um, you know, this year, I agree with you that, you know, the, the play out of this entire situation is probably going to have to go through the end of the year. And frankly, I think that we're still going to see some remnants of this going into 2021. And again, I think a lot of it too is going to be in terms of the market sectors in which, um, you know, these client firms happen to operate because I think some are going to be fine. Um, I think some are going to be much harder hit, um, you know, and so a lot of it is going to really depend upon um, the, the, markets that they're in. So 2020 is going to be an interesting year to see how financial statements ultimately end up. Um, and, you know, um, a lot of this right now is uh, working with valuations today. Um, I can say that that management projections and being very mindful and thoughtful about that is more vital than ever. And in my world, management projections are vital anyway. Um, But, you know, it, it really is um, a situation where it it needs to be um, very well thought out um, in terms of what truly could be the impact um, for 2020. 
Yeah. And I, and I, you know, as I, as you were mentioning that I was sitting here thinking, you know, how you look at some corporate documents that have, they have corporate reports that they file on an annual basis. A few years from now, there'll be an asterisk by 2020 for a lot of firms where they'll be like, what's this? Oh, that was the COVID-19 <laughs> pandemic. So yeah, I remember that. So um, I know something came up and it's actually what, what, precipitated us getting on a call. You were actually one of the people that I was going to be reaching out to because we've done a podcast in the past and we've talked about just the whole valuation proposition and what that means for design firms. But something came up last week and you had given an internal presentation to our firm on the cost of capital and the relevancy of multiples in today's environment. Mm -hmm. And I, I would I would love it if you would just kind of succinctly, can you share some of your thoughts as to whether multiples that were pretty solid in 2019 are still relevant today? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's certainly a question. So just, you know, just to kind of give some background on a multiple. So multiples are derived from uh, actual transactions that have happened um, in the industry. Um, and so there's always, you know, multiples that come out of that that we tend to use in our valuation work. So it might, so you would look at maybe the the price, the selling price of the firm um, and its measure against EBITDA. So that would create that EBITDA multiple. And, um, you know, in the valuation world, um, looking at uh, actual transactions is uh, part of um, our market approach. And, you know, we try to incorporate that into our valuation work um, whenever it is um, reasonable to do that. So multiples are always backwards looking, right? So we're dealing in the past. And um, the question, the question was, is a multiple that that 2019 that we felt we could solidly stand on, is that still relevant today? And so I got to, you know, kind of um, thinking through that a little bit more and thinking about that in relationship to um, the cost of capital. So the, we use, you know, we have references for cost of capital in developing um, discount and capitalization rates for an income approach without getting into the weeds. Um, the cost of capital, uh, the, the, the base cost of capital um, resources that um, I use, one in particular, um, it's called Duff and Phelps. They have actually increased their base cost of capital due to the conditions of, of what we are dealing with today. So um, thinking about the increase in cost of capital, how could that potentially relate to um, a multiple? So I just sat down and started doing some extrapolation of, uh, you know, taking a multiple and applying a, this increase in cost of capital. What I found was that um, incrementally for every, about every 1% increase in cost of capital, um, there is certainly a um, decrease in a multiple. So I just did a 1% decrease or increase in the cost of capital, which resulted in about a 4% decrease in a multiple. So it's not that, you know, it's not that um, the the multiple in 2019 is still applicable potentially. Um, and again, it's going to depend upon the firm that's being looked at and, and how impacted or not the firm may be um, yeah. with COVID. I mean, frankly, we may have some companies in this industry that come out of this in a better situation, particularly if this infrastructure bill that's been talked about gets passed, firms in, in the infrastructure se uh, sector 
they're they're probably going to see some real significant increases in um, in in their business because of it. So it's all case by case basis. But just in general, um, if you have if you if you are considering multiples, as you and I are talking today, just knowing that cost of capital has um, has increased, uh, I would I would tend to say that multiples um, are likely going to come down some. So you know, and just looking at that little incremental increase, uh, just solely for that purpose, about a four percent on a one percent increase in cost of capital. Now. Randy, that does not take into account anytime that we're valuing a company, um, we go through the process of really assessing the risk factors that are in that are existing in that inside that firm. Um, and so I think in addition to um, taking into account the increase in cost of capital, um, you also have to think about firm owners need to think about how can I continue to reduce the risk factors in my firm because every step that they take in making decisions is going to determine whether or not uh, from an outside perspective in in assessing risk, are we going to need to increase the cost of capital for the specific company risk in today's environment or not. So again, just kind of looking, you know, extrapolating out, um, if I ended up with uh, increasing um, cost of capital for, you know, specific company risk, I'm going to take, there's going to be another drop um, in, in a resulting EBITDA multiple out of that. So over, I would just say overall, the assessment of knowing that cost of capital is increasing, which is going to tend to drive value down. Um, and then trying to also think about, the, you know, the keeping the risk, the risk profile of the firm, um, either level or, you know, trying to, trying to keep the effects of COVID um, as minimized as possible will help to, um, you know, not, not drive value down terribly um, in this particular environment. So it, it's just a, it's just a kind of a neat little exercise um, that I did. So the the initial exercise I did is I, I increased cost of capital by one and a half percent. That resulted in about a six percent decrease in a resulting multiple. And then I increased it another one and a half percent. Just kind of thinking about you know what if specific company risk went up, um, and that resulted in about another eight percent decrease. So overall, you know, we were looking at in my little example I did, we were looking at a roughly a 14% decrease. Um, does that apply across for every firm? Absolutely not. Um, you know, and like I said, some firms are going to come out of this and they may be in a better position than they were um, prior. So but I, and and I think from what I'm hearing from you, it's probably good to do this exercise of ascertaining where you are right now today mm-hmm. and and where you could be down the road so that you have a good idea of what your multiples are going to look like what they could potentially be you know because again things are going are fluid and things are continually changing i mean the Absolutely. government could come out with another ppp program that provides even more money i mean this we've already the, the second round of money is is being uh, is being allotted out today but as as we were doing this podcast but then We've, there's been talk that there's going to be another, a third, and even a fourth. So there are going to be a lot of factors to take into consideration as as firm owners are dealing with this. But I think that that's 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 helpful for them to get a better 
grasp or handle on, you know, what their multiples are going to be doing given the, the COVID-19 situation. Absolutely. And, and as you said, very fluid situation at the moment, um, you know, because we, we just, unfortunately, you know, the crystal ball just isn't working at all. We might as well just throw that sucker right out the window, right. <laughs> um, you know, because who knows, really, who knows at this point, um, ultimately what the impact is going to be for each individual firm in this industry. But, um, you know, sitting down with your leadership team and, and uh, really, you know, having some very candid conversation and really kind of engaging this from a very strategic planning point of view and process, I think is, can do nothing but do you good, um, yeah. you know, d- down the road. So, um, you know, I, I realize that people have, you know, the, the brush fires and things to take care of. And it seems like there's a lot, a lot of um, requirements on time, but um, you know, thinking about this from a very strategic perspective, I think will ultimately um, uh, bode well for everybody. Yeah. So, so I want to wind this up because you've shared some really good information, and I'm sure there's a lot of uh, note taking that people are doing as they listen to this podcast. But if I'm a firm owner and I have, I've just kind of been trotting through and just getting my work done and putting my head down. But I realize after listening to you today that I really need to start doing some things now. Maybe I'm not selling in the next three to four years, but I'm still in the midst of this issue with Mm -hmm. the pandemic. What would your recommendation be for somebody that hasn't even had this conversation yet about really going into the valuation piece of it? Because, you know, it's that firm owner that has said, yeah, eventually I'll start selling some shares to some other people. Eventually I'll start bringing some other owners on. But for right now, it's my show and I'm going to run it. And they might be very successful, but what would you say to them in terms of what they're dealing with right now? And, you know, how do you get ahead of things so that um, that they're better prepared in the future? Um, I would say that a focus on cash flow going forward is going to be extremely critical to the future value of their firm. Um, you know, in in the context of merger acquisition um, world, you know, a, a lot of um, a lot of the discussion is always around this EBITDA multiple um, that we just had a discussion about. Um, and you know, EBITDA multiples have um, they've been around for a long time. Uh, there, you know, they get thrown around a lot, and you know, some some is relevant, some is not, but. Um, thinking about this situation and going forward is that EBITDA may ultimately become less relevant um, in the near term because of uh, the impacts of COVID and what that's going to mean for cash flow. So when, when I'm talking about cash flow, so EBITDA is not a representation of cash flow because you have to also take into account the impacts of potentially increasing debt loads um, you know, are there going to be um, any triggering events that might cause um, loan covenants to change that that you might have in place today that would impact cash flow? So I think that overall, firm owners, whether you are in entering into a valuation process or you may be thinking about it next year or three years or five years from now, uh, you really need to be paying very close attention to um, a lot of your financial metrics, 
uh, looking at liquidity ratios like a current ratio, a quick ratio, tracking that day's uh, accounts receivable collection number is going to be really important. Um, paying real attention to what kind of capital expenditures um, are necessary and what would be nice and what's necessary, right? And, and making some decisions about uh, between those types of spending. And then, of course, also really paying attention to um, you know, the existing debt that you have on your books today, whether it's shareholder debt or it's bank debt, um, and, and the impact of that debt going forward on what your ultimate cash flow is going to be. Because what we want to try to avoid, if possible, is getting too much debt load going on that's really driving cash flows down significantly because that's going to have a real downward impact on overall value. So we just want to, you know, put that out there um, for people. It's kind of as food for thought to, you know, if you're not ready to do evaluation, you, but you might need some help with more looking at the financial analysis piece of this, you know, we're certainly, um, you know, available to be helpful with that because really kind of getting that analysis dashboard up and running just to be able to watch all those metrics um, is I think it's going to be super important for the rest of this year to make some really good financial decisions so that by the time we get past 2020 um, going back into 2021 um, we can begin to heal from you know any of the real dings um, in you know that we're all probably going to end up with um, and hopefully they will be healed fairly quickly so that that would be my my recommendation today. Yeah, and I know Zweig has some calculators online. They have a, a number of uh, tools that are available that uh, that people can take advantage of, and they can they can get a lot of that information at zweiggroup.com. But in the meantime, if somebody wanted to reach out, they've listened to this, Tracy, and they're like, oh my God, I need to talk to her today. What's the best way for them to connect with you? Uh, I would, um, you know, certainly um, just send me an email, uh, you know, and we can get a time on the calendar to talk. Um, I, you know, generally like to do um, calendar, calendar time discussion because most of the time when I get on the phone with somebody and we start talking valuation, it, it's, it's, it's a discussion. Absolutely. So, you know, it, it's generally a 30 minute to an hour discussion and, yeah. you know, certainly willing to have that with anybody. Um, and, you know, if, if you've got a, an immediate um, concern or, um, you know, if you've got some questions around your internal share transaction situation this year uh, and what do you do with it, I'm always willing to um, talk with clients and, and try to help as best I can. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and I'll make sure that, that your email address is Teves, T-E-A-V-E-S at Zweig, Z-W-E-I-G group.com. Uh, for those of you that are listening as you're driving or whatever you're doing, um, definitely connect with Tracy. Uh, she'll be more than happy to help you out. And and I think what she's saying, what we're saying, and what we've always done, said at Zwy Group is that, you know, don't make irrational decisions. Don't make decisions in a vacuum, which a lot of design firm owners tend to do without seeking out that guidance and advice. And um, you could do a lot worse than connecting with Tracy and uh, having her hold your hand and walk you through some things that you might need to do today to be on, on, on solid footing tomorrow. And then some of you may be on solid footing today and you just need that reassurance. And I think Tracy can provide that for you. So I, I hope that helps. And uh, do you have anything, any last thing that you want to add, Tracy, to, to those listening? Well, I will just say that, you know, um, I wish everyone well. 
and um, hopefully this is short lived. I am, I am, uh, I, I am looking for that V-shaped recovery, yeah, um, and, yeah. and hopefully that does happen um, for everybody in the industry. Uh, you know, I I have been around long enough that um, I got to see the effects of the Great Recession on firms in the industry. So I've been around that long, yeah. um, and and I saw what devastation um, there were to certain types of firms in the industry then, and uh, I sure hope that that doesn't happen again. So. Um, you know, best wishes to everyone. Let, let's all root for this V-shaped recovery. Let's all, you know, get back to work and uh, do our thing. <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, beyond that, um, I think it's just a matter of uh, practicing patience and kind, kindness at the moment as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, well, from from your lips to the ears of everybody listening to this podcast, we really appreciate you taking time out of your schedule today to sit down with us and kind of share your your wisdom and knowledge and uh, certainly appreciate you as a friend and, and as a colleague. So thank you so much for being on the Zweig Letter podcast. We really appreciate you. Thank you, Randy. Take yeah. care. Thank you. Well, folks, there you have it. Another episode of the Zweig Letter Podcast. I hope that um, Tracy shared some information with you that would be helpful. Even if you're not a firm owner, uh, eventually down the road, at some point in time, you might get shares in a company. You might become an owner. You might buy somebody out. And this information is going to be valuable for you. The things that Tracy knows, her skill set stands the test of time. So I really want to encourage you to start make, you know, creating a greater awareness around this. And certainly any of the uh, folks in the advisory service group at Zui Group can help you out. And, and, and it doesn't cost anything to ask a question. So I certainly want to encourage you to reach out. Uh, just go to zweiggroup.com for any additional information that you need. I know a lot of you read the Zweig letter. You know, that's a free subscription. want to encourage you to take advantage of that. But we really appreciate uh, what er- what uh, everybody that supports what we're doing here at Zweig Group. And, and again, it's it's our goal is to elevate the industry. One podcast episode, one valuation, one merger and and, uh, M&A transaction at a time. So regardless of what you're going through right now, your friends at Zui Group are here for you and we definitely want to help you out. So certainly want to encourage you to to take advantage of of the knowledge and information that's available from the whole team at Zui Group. I mean, it's 30 plus years of knowledge in the design industry. So you can't go wrong. And, and and Tracy is a prime example of that. So that's all we have for this week. I can't wait to see you in, on another episode very soon. We have got an, a lot of great uh, people that we're going to have on the, on the podcast. So continue to tune in, make sure you subscribe. If you have any questions, you can always reach me on LinkedIn, Randy Wilburn on LinkedIn. You can always reach me at Zwy Group. My email is r wilburn at zweiggroup.com. And uh, we're here for you, period. End of story. That's all I have for you today. And I will see you soon. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to the Zweig Letter Podcast. We hope that you can be part of elevating the industry and that you can apply our advice and information to your daily professional life. For a free digital subscription to The Zweig Letter, please visit thezweigletter.com slash subscribe to gain more wisdom and inspiration in addition to information about leadership, finance, HR, and marketing your firm. Subscribe today.